millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a Domino Sound production. Trigger, 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 trigger. Trigger, trigger. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nolika Radway. And I'm Andrea O'Brien, and this is Triggered. Our podcast about all things media that has us in our feelings. How are you doing this morning, Ann? I'm going to say I'm good. I don't know if that's true yet. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to move toward it. We're going to move towards ask, good. Good is the goal. Move good towards is the goal. It. Yes. Good we're going to manifest. We're going to mm-hmm. manifest. That's mm-hmm. it. We're going to manifest. Okay, so we like to start... Um, our podcast by sharing our tarot's um and i have been sharing tarot's for y- is it years now are it's we like officially a, years i think it, year it's and over half? it's definitely over a year yeah it's about 18 no, it's definitely months. over a year 18 it's months okay about 18 Nine. months we're going okay, with that okay okay for yeah. a long a long time a long time since whenever um, you took that workshop with adrian marie brown and listen, then you, and then you made me buy this tarot deck and listen, here I am. and here we are here we are that was life changing that was life changing so this morning, I pulled the Knight of Pentacles. Oh, that's my girl. Listen, listen. She was telling my whole story this morning. Like, literally, I needed to hear what this card had to say to me. And it is, like, spot on. I won't read the whole thing right now. It's about, um... Oh, God, what is it about? It's, like, about... It's, the title of it is the methodical approach, and mm. one of the one of the lines that really spoke to me, and I think is so true, is they are whimsical and magical in their truth, but logical in their practice, and I think that is such an accurate mm. like description of how I approach like life. <laughs> you know what I mean, like all things. <laughs> I'm a dreamer in so many ways. I'm very strategic. It has to make sense. It has like it has to make sense. Well, you're um, a Libra. You're a Libra, so the balance thing is is very important to you. It is. So you wouldn't is. just be whimsical all the time. And but I just want to be. I feel my freest when I'm like. I always tell you like, what, what you want to do in the like, I was like, I want to get lost in time and space. That's like my favorite thing to do is to get lost in time yes. and space. Um. So. The last two things that says like it's like respect your logical truth and your leadership, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, yeah, yes, yes, okay, yes, I know, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, because it, I think because we live in a space where things that you that don't make sense, like you can't like um not that it doesn't make sense, but you can't explain it to everybody, everybody's not gonna understand, then it doesn't. It's like magical. It's not real. It's fig- so you, it's a hard, it's hard to hold on to those things. Yep. Um, 
but I, it's important to me. And I'm going to be practical. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's, this is uh, so many things, so many things that you know, so many things. This card really <laughs> spoke to me. So uh, tell me, what did you pick this morning? So this morning I picked the sun, oh. which is a fave. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. the thing about the sun card, because I, I, we never really talk about the cards themselves, but there is a person on the card that looks like a young person, may identify the person as a little girl, looks like, I mean, they're just reaching for the clouds they're around all these beautiful sunflowers. And, you know, the card says the sun, the planet is, you know, the, the heavenly body is the sun, and it says fire in Leo. So I generally reject all things Leo. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not because I have some really great Leo girlfriends. Um, I have dated two Leos. That didn't work well. But what I mean by that is that Leos generally are the, like, give me attention sign, and they revel in it. And um, we have associated that sometimes with bad things, but there's a a good and bad side of everything, right? Um, But that whole letting yourself shine and be in your magic and letting yourself, like, be the fabulous person that you are, I reject that all the time. I don't think that's natural for me, but I think that that has been nurtured, like humble, quiet, not quiet, but like quiet, like subtle, um, walk into the room. You don't need to necessarily walk in like, Hey, I'm here. Like if you, if you're that person, like it'll come through like very kind of, you know, I wear black all the time. I'm very, you know, <laughs> and I don't know when I became that way. So I think I reject the Leoness because there is some, there's some wanting in me there, right? Mm-hmm. It's not them. It's rejecting that thing in me. And so mm-hmm. their, their ability to be loud and out and fabulous makes me uncomfortable because I reject my ability to be that, right? Mm-hmm. So this card says, the, sun rays, the sun's rays shake systems and enlighten communities. She asks you to, be, to do the same, to open the floodgates to joy, confidence, and revolutionary self-love that you deserve. Mm-hmm. So, and since, you know, I, my insecurity says reject all the things that are self-loving, you don't mm-hmm. deserve, blah, 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 mm-hmm. say unkind mm-hmm. things to yourself. Mm-hmm. Being in your son and in your Leo where you're like, I'm that shit. No, 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 no. Are y'all seeing me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is something that I struggle with. And mm-hmm. so I love that I got this card because it's like, bitch, we already know. Why are we still here at this age? Um, you've got your shit, like do your thing. So it was a card I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it is, you know, it's, it's my thing. I'm, and I'm going to, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So I love that card though. I do love it. I love, you know, that's, that card. And shout like, out to I, my Leos. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to my Leos. <laughs> I call that card my glory card. It's not, my daughter glory is not a Leo, but there's a place in it. It says something about like conscious levity. Yeah. And I just like, she just embodies that to me. Yeah, um, she is. Like she that. but she embodies like her. I can I can do all things and be all things. Like she yes, she yes, right. Yes, and so yes, that is yes. you know that everybody yes. needs a little bit more of that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Child, what a week! What a week! Okay, so I I'll start with I'll start for us today because okay. um I have some things because <laughs> I you know I have some things. <laughs> So I recently watched um, the documentary on HBO called Tina. Oh, you did. About, it's um, a documentary um, about Tina Turner. I am, 
overwhelmed by it. <laughs> like I am like <laughs> I am completely I'm completely overwhelmed by it. Um I like probably everybody who listens to this podcast have watched and seen the Tina Turner movie with Angela Bassett. It's like shaped like it's formative, you know, it's like a formative mm-hmm. film. If and, you're our age, uh, that is one of your things. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, a formative film. And in that, you know, so much was revealed. I, I remember, you know, when it came out, I remember watching it again. I remember Tina Turner being on Oprah. I remember the magazine. I remember the book. I re- like, I remembered so many things that the documentary kind of, like, dug into. I remember, like, living that. And then you get to see Tina Turner living that. And um, some I won't watch it. Like you should see this documentary. It is incredibly powerful. It is like, it's so it's it's like I said, I'm overwhelmed by it. But um, two things that I want to mention. A lot of things in it is triggering. But two things I want to mention that were particularly triggering. Part of it, she talks about how um, those wounds, they just don't they don't go away. They don't heal every time she has to like you know someone asked her about Ike or ask her about mm. the movie or ask her about any of it it just brings all of it back up for her yeah and I just kept thinking about like oh shit I know how I feel when I watch that movie what must it be like for her to like watch those movies hear those stories have to tell that like and yeah. every every interview she ever does someone brings it up and you're just like Holy shit. So that I, I, I that thing around like how people ask you about things that happen in your life or things that you feel have like really big feelings about. And sometimes I will be hard on myself because I'm not I don't get over things easily. Like I, I don't get over yep. things. I'm like, just, you know, why you didn't do it. It's not your fault. You shouldn't feel shame. And it was like validating and triggering around like, no, this shit is real. This is your lived experience. It made me think about your amazing, amazing podcast, The Cheat Code. If you have not, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to that podcast, <laughs> I will, I will, I will tell you to like pump the brakes and get get on over to The Cheat Code. Um, and that idea of like sharing your personal narratives and like even what I do with my podcast, Raising Rebels, and so many people, so many Black women specifically, like sharing their their stories um through podcasting and what what a like what a gift that is that you're giving to like do that so that was triggering for me and then there she talked a lot about her relationship so first of all the star of that documentary outside of tina turner who was definitely a star um like let's say best supporting character in a documentary Mm -hmm. was katori hall our girl from P Valley, which I did Seriously? not know was the director or playwright or maybe both of the Tina Turner musical. She's I'm sorry, like what? the yeah. So did you know there was a <laughs> Tina Turner musical? Oh, I t- yes, yes, yes. I did. It came out after Donna Summer because I saw Donna yeah. Summer and I was like, yes, I'm going to go see S- Tina Turner. Yes. So yes, yes. Katori Hall, it is like made that that musical. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, did, not, did not know that either. But on the documentary, she says a thing around, like, everybody talks about Ike and Tina and, like, the abuse. But what I really am curious about is, like, what pain came before that? Like, who were you? What did you experience that made you, you vulnerable to this mm. type of relationship? 
And in it, Tina Turner talks about her relationship with her mother. Mm, and it they was gloss over that in the movie. It was heartbreaking. And mm. she's a grown, you know, she's a grown ass woman now, right? Like she's probably she's I don't in her know, late seventies. Yeah, 70s, she's yeah. she's she's a grown she's a grown woman and the pain she feels about her the things that are unhealed in her relationship with her mother. Wow. Who she knew and had a relationship with through you know, mm-hmm. throughout her adulthood. It was it was like really um it was really triggering because I just think about how many black women specifically have really complicated, challenging relationships with their mothers and with their daughters and um, the ways that we're not allowed ourselves like a softness that would help some of that heal. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it's so good. I could talk about it at end. Please go see that documentary. It's a lot. Be prepared. It's it's you think you know, you don't you you know like it's one of those things like I saw the movie, so I'm you not. But that's okay. You should still go see it. You just you should still see it. Okay, so since we're doing mothers, let's stick with the theme <laughs> of mothers. Um, so my first trigger is an episode of This Is Us. It is um, season five, episode ten, and it's called I've Got This. And it the part I'm going to talk about, there was a lot in this episode, but what I'm going to talk about is the relationship between Beth and her mother, who is played by Felicia Rashad, who is kind of in their house. So all of these shows, especially these network television shows, it's very interesting how they choose to deal with the pandemic and like how they had to probably stop recording, refigure some things out, some shows are probably not doing the pandemic at all and others are like, no, we're supposed to be a show that's happening now. So we're going to go ahead and deal with it. So during this, you know, there's lots of changes in the Pearson household in the Pearson family. So Kate adopts a baby. Kevin is in Madison. Who's one of the twin, one of the, the big three has twins with Kate's good friend, Madison. And then Randall and Beth are all the way back on the East coast and Beth's mother comes to stay with them to kind of help around the house with the three girls. So they have two biological daughters and they have a daughter, the oldest daughter that they adopted when she was maybe, let's, let's call her 12 at the time, named Deja. So the mother come, the, Beth's mother comes and stays and there's this way in which Beth and her mother interact. So Beth's family is Jamaican or her father was. Her father died years ago. She and her mother have a very tense relationship because her mother is critical um, and, you know, is very kind of does things the right way. She speaks in that tone that's like, oh, so you're doing this. So Beth is on edge and Randall, her wonderful husband played by Sterling K. Brown, is hiding out on the porch because he's like, (laughs) I have made this my office. I'm not playing with y'all. You and your Mm -hmm. mother are a lot. And... You know, there's this way in which the daughters are revere the grandmother, listen to what she says on the first try of like the first, like, put your phone down. They put their phone down. Their mother asked them to put their phone down. It's like, but mom, you knew I was doing this, this and that. And then and what was triggering for me is that, like, you know, my mother is not necessarily critical in that way, but she's a lot to live up to. And she does things a certain way. And she definitely offers her opinion 
if your things are not done in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's this way in which you struggle as a parent to feel like you're doing the right things and the person that you probably want approval from, the people who parented you. And so, you know, there's this way Beth is struggling, the girl's not listening to her, her, their middle child, who was their oldest biological child, um, she is in a relationship She's queer. She came out as queer, I think, the season before. Mm-hmm. She's in a relationship with a person that identifies as they. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth is struggling to call this person they and keeps referring to this person as she. The daughter is losing her shit. Um, and the grandmother, who you expect to have issues with it, is like, what's the problem? We use they to say they're this, they're that all the time. Like, this should be easy for you. First so of all, kind of I know that I know so that there, I already know that there are some amazing black women in the writer's room on the show. Oh, absolutely. Show. Because it was also the real. The way they do it. I just, my hat, it's hats also off. Real. Hats the, off. The curry chicken, week. the mother says, don't put another scotch bonnet in the curry chicken. And then she makes it. And she's like, it's good, but it can use some more scotch bonnet. And you can see that Beth wants to come through her eyeballs and snatch her mother's wig off. And then, you know, it, it's a lot. And I don't want to give it away, but there was so much around that, you know, needing approval from this person and then really finding out, and I won't give away like what happens, but finding out why this person actually is the way they are, especially when they're coming to spend time. And when you do, it's like heartbreaking. So it is, what was triggering was around needing the validation, but also giving your parents some grace because they're human. And Mm -hmm. because in that generation, so Beth and Randall are supposed to be around 40. So mm-hmm. her mother would be in her late 60s or 70s, depending on, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that generation's disassociation from their feelings and being able to verbalize it so it all comes out in actions. Mm-hmm. And as us trying to read them and remember who they are and why they might be how they are and give mm-hmm. them some grace and understanding. Well, still acknowledging your shit, right? Like, you well, still I, hurt me. You still hurt yeah. me. But... Yeah. I, I'm giving you understanding around this thing, but you still hurt me. It's a lot. Yeah, I watched that episode. I remember I was like, and this one right here is coming for you, yo. This episode right here, they 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 all in your business on this one. And I will say, I think so many of us, and I guess us being like the daughters of, need to do what Beth did, which is like, tell your truth. Yes, because she was able. She it it can't. She had to get all the way frustrated in order to be in space to do it. But because she was like willing to like like listen, I'm just I'm 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 grown. I'm 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 gonna I'm have to tell you about yourself. Mm -hmm. Then it it allowed for her mother like oh we okay well if we tell the truth we talking I'm gonna tell I I can tell you my truth too and I think we are going to have to be brave enough to do that. You know, like, we we are going to have to be brave enough to, like, put the reverence down for a second and, like, check in with our humanity with this other woman, yep. you know, this other person, and um, see what comes. <laughs> you know, everybody's not going to be here for it. Everybody don't no. got it. No. Everybody don't got it. But I think more of us have it than, than we think. Um, I thought that was really 
Yeah, that was a great episode. That was a great episode. That was a great episode. And there was 60 things in that episode that was triggering, but that particular thing, like, plus we were talking about mamas, so. Yes, that was a lot. What's next on your agenda? That was a lot. (laughs) Um, So I am, you know, I love podcasts. And one of my favorite podcasts, like, one of the podcasts I, like, really got me into podcasting and, like, thinking about it is This American Life, Um, which it's like probably one of the oldest running podcasts ever. And I just like the way, I just like the storytelling and the way they do storytelling. But they had an episode recently. I haven't listened to it in a long time. And I was like, let me check back in. Is this something I want to listen to? And they had an episode called episode seven, 734. The campus tour has been canceled. Mm. And it's all about how, you know, college, it's all about like, how colleges are being impacted by the pandemic and something specifically they look at is this idea of like you know people can't go in and tour colleges anymore and Mm -hmm. what is the admission process going to look like and a lot of schools can't use SAT scores anymore because kids can't go into these big you know large centers 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 to take tests and like what now what now and there was a story this is this is so the thing that's triggering about it was like a lot of it that's triggering but one thing in particular that was triggering about it is they were talking about they do the they do the podcast in like three acts and when one of the acts they were referencing um they were trying to look at schools that already kind of didn't use SATs mm-hmm. as a way to get admit kids and in Texas i think well, I didn't know at the time, but they were like 10 years ago, apparently. But I remember when this happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, this is, oh my, I remember when this, I remember when Texas did this. I felt like that was yesterday. Like, no, no, it's been long enough that we could study it now. I was like, okay, <laughs> that, that was, tri- wow. that's a triggering part. For me. That was, that was triggering for me. I was like, okay. But in Texas, they did a thing where everybody, anybody who is in the top, I think it's like maybe the top 10% of their high school or top 1%. I mean, I know those are really big different numbers, but like if you're if you're at the top of your school, I don't know if it's a top 5, a top 10 kids or whatever the case may be, you're automat you're guaranteed acceptance into the state schools. Like I guess Texas kind of has like a state school program and if you are top tier in your high school, doesn't matter what high school it is, you're guaranteed a spot in that school. Like, it's guaranteed admissions. And so, and it, it was a way to kind of push back against standardized testing. It was a way to account for, you know, the discrepancy between kids who were getting into um, competitive colleges and kids that weren't, who came from less disadvantaged, like, less advantaged um they come from like disadvantaged like backgrounds or schools and all this kind of stuff. So they profiled a young person who was at the top of her class mm-hmm. in her high school, got to one of these Texas state schools, um, a very competitive one, and was like over her like like it was like overwhelming, and they initiated this program to help get kids like on pace um that wasn't about putting them in remedial classes but just like shoring them up for that first semester like shoring them up and getting them ready like you can do it you can do it 
Anyway, it was really powerful. I really said, we'll put the link in the show notes. I suggest you listen to it because it was really informative to me. But it was, um, I think, just the idea of how that was done 10 years ago, right? Like, like Texas did this initiative 10 years ago, and nothing has changed and shifted. Like, you know, like this, they could, like, every state needs to do this today. Like, you know, like yeah. it's still, and I've just been thinking about that, and maybe part of it is like, living life becoming wiser and living through like cycles of things and you just realize like things aren't changing no things aren't changing you know like i don't understand why we know and it's not and when you're younger and these things happen you're like no one's tried anything yet you have this thinking of like because like if you just need to have the idea or you just need the right politician or you just need the right you know whatever it's like no people have been trying things people know things and things. you just you just not interested in creating equality or you're not really interested in like dismantling systems of oppression and so here we are so well, yeah it was really triggering for me one one of the things around that though is you know we talk about it all the time people are not interested in losing their power so that's yeah. going to be resistant to, you know they're going to be resistant to change but also like if what how do we validate ourselves if we don't have these traditional things in place like Mm -hmm. we're we're always looking for something to replace that validation with so Mm -hmm. i don't think we could get rid of the sats in this country until they put in something else in place to tell somebody why they're not good enough to go to the school yeah and that's the problem like they're like creating an even playing field is just not interesting to anybody because (laughs) you know because what's the point because what's the point now how do i know that i'm better than you if shit is even yeah because Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exactly. All right, what do you have for us, Anne? So, okay, I'm trying to figure out which one I should do next. I will stick with. I mean, both of them are oppression. Um, <laughs> so let's let's do let's do the one about self hate. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so no, what is, no, what is our issues? <laughs> what is our issues? Okay, sorry. Go for so, it. Sorry. This isn't even. Uh, so TikTok. Should, no one should have ever let me on TikTok. Right? Oh, you! I love so it. I don't, I I don't make TikTok. any videos, but I am the classic voyeur, right? Because I'm not ready to, like, you know, hey. So, I need you to tell me everybody to follow on TikTok because I don't. And I don't. I'm, here's I'm the funny here thing: around. I don't follow anyone because I don't want the algorithm right now. Like, I'm just trying to see. So on my for you for you page, they just feed me shit and I watch it, right? So the amount of dad jokes that I laugh at, the amount of kittens and babies and people redoing comedians which i didn't know was a thing people lip-syncing to uh, comedic routines hysterical but i've also found some doozies so one of the people that i discovered young woman named amala i think that's how you say her name and it's at half black conservative (laughs) so she looks like she's about 24 ish if even that She's a lighter skinned mixed race woman. She doesn't say I'm assuming she's um, black and, and some form of white person. Uh, maybe. 
some form. That's what I she is, some it. form of white person. Because you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't yeah. know how people identify, <laughs> but she identifies herself as half black conservative, and she always starts her video with like, "Let's see how much hate I'm going to get on this one," and starts to spew about. Do white people have their own channels? No, but black people do. Oh, do God. white people get on, you know, get into school through affirmative action? Yeah. No, but black people. So she's, you know, young woman. Yeah. And, you know, and I am doing my own work around identifying mixed race people for them. Mm-hmm. How she identifies herself as half black. She does not name what the other thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also trying to, you know, we do this thing in the United States where we, we reject people's labels, but then we accept the one drop rule. And so she identifies herself as half black. That's what I'm going for. So you okay. have said you have not chosen a side, but mm-hmm. you are doing this thing around this hating on things that black people are saying is, are, is, is part of their oppression and part of their issue mm-hmm. and misconstruing in a very white like way. Mm-hmm. And I use white like white, like the the you mm-hmm. know the capital W H. Mm-hmm. Like you can see, like the oh baby, you didn't do five minutes of research, and you are just taking this in and spewing it back out mm-hmm. because the things she's and they're basic things. But I was laughing because you would look at her and be like, oh, before you heard her speak, you'd be like, oh boho black chick, you know blah blah blah. She's gonna be on some whatever, and I'm like, oh, but the things that are coming out of your mouth are. Mm-hmm. so in my opinion heinous and it and because she looks so young you know we assume gen z they're all with it they're all fluid they're all you know mm-hmm. they understand they've got this thing and i'm like oh i keep forgetting the kids i'm around versus the world the world and oh even the kids i'm around and my daughter has told me at 17 she still deals with in west orange new jersey people who are on some MAGA shit. You know what I mean? Of and we, we know this. Yes. But we know this. I, we deal with their adult parents, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking the kids at least nope. have it together. And they don't. No, they don't. No, they so don't. that was, that was no, really friggin' interesting to me. And so, of course, now I, I want to know all about her life. I want to know all about, like, her things. I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not digging because I don't want the TikTok algorithm to feed me more of her. She came up twice, and I was like, I don't know what y'all trying to say, but get this bitch off my timeline. <laughs> How do I dislike? Is there a dislike button? Because you can't, like, you can't feed me this shit. Like, I don't know. What is, like, what is this the algorithm trying to say about me? That's what I'm wait, saying. Wait. Or, or are you feeding me shit that you know will get me upset? Like, do y'all know I have a podcast? Like, is that, what? is that what's trying to, what's, what's happening whole, here? I mean, the whole goal of the algorithm is to get you to click. So it's right. like, whatever. So, it doesn't matter if you, it's not, it's not about you like it or you, whatever gets you and you're agitated and you're going to And the back. thing with, you know, I'm just scrolling, so I don't have to click on anything. It just comes mm-hmm. up. I don't. But it, she's just an interesting study of a human. Clearly, she's clickbait. Clearly, she wants people to argue. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of response videos to her mm-hmm. as well, and she posts those as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I don't know if this is an attention thing. I don't know if this is an actual self-hate thing. Um, but it's, it's really interesting, and it got me thinking, like, you need to make sure that you are understanding that your circle is just your circle mm-hmm. and do not assume that things are necessarily getting better because you have access to Beyonce's internet. And so you mm-hmm. see more people like you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they also have access to Beyonce's internet and there's a whole lot of them as well. So that was my trigger. Mm-hmm. Also well, TikTok is my trigger because uh- TikTok. <laughs> Jesus, why did I need another thing? Like I didn't need one more thing. 
I love TikTok. I I am I am here for it. They got TikToks. I'm into dog TikToks because you know I got a dog. <laughs> and they got these TikToks with dogs talking to their um, owners to this like toy thing. I'm obsessed. But anyway, um, I'm gonna like my last trigger. It's not really. I guess it. I will tell. I'll explain why it triggered me. But I um. Well, I started watching, well, binge, basically, I'm done. This this show on Apple TV, and I got to say, Apple TV is really interesting because their content, their originals, I, I really fucks with it. Like I, I want to love my, it. I want to love it. I don't have it yet, but I want to love it. It's my kind, there's something about what they put out there is like, it, it does, it's like the right level of heady and light. It's like the, it's like the right level of heady and light for me. It's like, I could just watch it. <laughs> and, um... That's kind of what it's triggering about. I'm watching this show called Ted Lasso. Love it. I really do. So first of all, some a, a friend of mine, um, this white dude, told me to watch. It was like, you got to watch this show. It's like, um, the way he described it was like, I don't want to watch that show. Like, I don't want to watch a show about white people who feel less problematic. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was what he, like, was always writing, like, it's white people, but you know, it's not, like, less problematic. And I was like, nah, y'all need to be hit over the head with some shit. Um, which I still think is true. However, Ted Lasso is such a good, like, yeah, white people that are less problematic show. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's very accurate. So the show is about, um, first of all, it takes place in um, the UK, which helps tremendously, which helps what helps i mean it is it, it makes it's the whole whoever it makes the show it wouldn't work without it being taking place in the uk but basically um a woman who is been like this woman becomes the owner of a soccer team because it's what she gets in her divorce so she was married to a very 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 wealthy man and he was like a womanizer. It's like, just imagine the British tabloids. It's like a hot mess. And what she gets in the settlement is the soccer league, which is a premier, like a top soccer league um, or team or whatever they call it, club. They call them right, the soccer club. Anyway, whatever it is, she gets it. And she's so angry at the husband that she wants to sabotage the club. So she hires like a second tier college football coach to come and be the head coach of the soccer team. It is so incredibly good. First of all, the writer's room, whoever. So he's American though, right? No, he's American. He's from, he's American from like somewhere in Oklahoma, some shit, Kansas. Oh damn. I think he's from Kansas. Like you can't make this shit up, but I want to say whoever is working on the references (laughs) <laughs> whoever like whoever does that work like goes and like like we're gonna reference this 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 it hits every single time every single time they That's make a, a pop culture reference it hits me deep in my soul it gives me so much joy i love it and i think i was i'm just like triggered by the fact that it's still possible to watch a show that stars white folks <laughs> and not be angry the whole time. Like literally, I don't. I didn't sit there watching the whole show, like feeling like I had needed to critique it around how they were missing the mark on anything. It was like it was it was it was so comforting. 
and it was like it's you know it's white people <laughs> in the show like and it's not it's not like it's flawless but they make so much like they're so like critical of themselves like they're looking at yeah. themselves in it that m- it makes it like really engaging entertaining check it out um you will not be disappointed um and i think you can get like i realize if you buy an apple product you get apple tv for a year for free oh so, so no need to be check uh, that out like i don't know check if, that like, out. yeah check that i think that's how that works but that's how i'm that's what i'm doing right now but yeah check it out what do you got for us now, last but not least? Okay, so last but not least, uh, another, well, a show on OWN. Oh. Um, it is the last season of my beloved Queen Sugar. <gasps> is this the last season? I'm, yep. I don't know how I'm going to deal because the show is so beautifully shot and I love these characters. And even, you know, it's... I'm going to miss Ralph Angel whisper crying all the time. Like, I just, I can't, (laughs) I can't deal. So anyway, this is the last season. And one of the things that has been done so well is, oh, so it's season five, episode six. Mm -hmm. And they named them by dates this time. So I think this one is called like May 27th, 2020 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just random dates or whatever. But it is in chronological order around the pandemic. So the season buildup is like nothing's going on. And then you see them kind of dealing with, oh, we heard these cases, but in Washington State Mm -hmm. and then in New York and how it hits them in St. Joe's Mm -hmm. and them having to shut down businesses and then figuring out where to quarantine and how to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so their relationships are already fraught Mm -hmm. and they're losing people. They've got a lot of elders. Mm -hmm. So how they're all dealing with it. And then in the middle of this. Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Mm -hmm. So this particular episode deals with how they're all each kind of each kind of pod in the Bordelon family. So Ralph Angel Mm. and um, Darla Blue and Darla and Vi and Hollywood Mm -hmm. and Prosper and then Micah and Charlie Mm -hmm. and them. Right. So how each pod and then Nova and Nova's living with the white cop. He has now I moved into her it. life, I right? Love I love it. I love that storyline. So all of this is happening, right? So all this line. is happening mm-hmm. with the cops and George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And Nova is living with mm-hmm. this man. Mm-hmm. And his oldest daughter comes to stay with them. So if you haven't watched this season. Wait, what? Nova, Nova has met his kids and his ex-wife. And his ex-wife goes off. And his littlest girl is like, hey, Miss Nova. The son is like, yeah, what's up, bitch? Don't really want to meet her. And then there's this oldest daughter who's off at college. She comes to stay in Nova's house to quarantine with them. So there's also that dynamic. And then she meets her and this girl is on some power to the people, blah, blah, blah. So it's very interesting, right? And then also remember that seasons ago, Micah had a run in with the cops. Yes. No, I know all of this, all of this, all of this. Yes, He is completely triggered. And there's all this stuff happening. And I'm watching this episode and I'm having feelings around death and all sorts of different things anyway. And I am in tears. Wow. On top of this, Darla and Ralph Angel have, you know, gotten married. So they're on their honeymoon. So they're closed off. They don't know what's happening. They haven't turned on a television. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Hollywood calls them. It's like, turn on your TV. So they have to decide, do we stay? Do we enjoy this? Do we go home? And then you eventually see them talking to Blue about this. Mm-hmm. Now, that conversation alone will have you in a puddle of tears wow. on the floor. Because Darla's like, he's a baby, let's not. And Ralph Angel's like, it's time. Mm-hmm. 
And that decision around, yeah, he's a happy-go-lucky little black kid. We're going to have to strip back some happy-go-lucky. And oh. those decisions around talking and him dealing with it. And that the actor that plays Blue. I love him. That little boy. I love him. Oh, and in this pandemic, they have focused on him in a way that's like, because, you know, he's homeschooling. He's yeah. trying to figure things out. Darla's trying to keep him busy. Mm-hmm. She just got a job. She lost her job. Like, it's so much. But the way in which everybody is reacting to George Floyd's murder, the men are having different reactions yeah. around protection. Then it's quarantine on top of that. I love me and some I've Queen Sugar. Say, I love me some Queen, Queen Sugar. Sugar. And the way that Ava DuVernay has decided to do these episodes and close out this show has just been so beautiful. Aww. And then what was the most triggering is watching Nova try to deal with her blackness and this impact on her while loving this white man who's also a police officer being in her house and in her space and then also having his white daughter there. No, it's a, there's lot. This part, it's a lot. There's this part where they're talking at the dinner table And Nova, you could tell she's really happy that this girl is like this, but she's also like noticing some things. So the girl is talking about something. Nova quotes a line or the girl quotes Mm -hmm. a line. She's like, yeah, Jimmy B said that. And Nova's like, that would be James Baldwin. And I suggest you called him that. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not shortening James Baldwin. We're not being that familiar, especially you young white girl. We wouldn't let our black teens do it. So I need you to get it together. Mm -hmm. And it's this way in which she asks him questions like, how are you feeling around this? And she talks about the fact, like, do you feel ashamed? And he's like, no, I feel sad. I feel sorry. She was like, so your fellow officers are doing this and you don't feel ashamed. She's like, let me reverse that. If this was black people kneeling on the, the necks of a white man, I would feel personal shame mm-hmm. around. She's like, like, y'all have an idiot in the White House. You don't feel connected to him. If Barack Obama did anything wrong, we would feel personal shame and responsibility because we carry the burden of all black people. And it was this, I mean, wow. the tears, the anger. This show was all so right, good. All this right, all right. This episode was so good. Say no more. We got I mean, it. We got it. We gonna go you gotta, it you gotta watch it. it. You gotta watch it. It was great. Season, season five, episode six of Queen Sugar. Get you some. Awesome. That's it. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Nolika. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye.